listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arik, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Barkboard, Jackson Moore. And Jackson, not exactly how we thought it was going to go, did it? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I mean, yeah, that <laughs> was a tough one. Uh, you know, it was a combination of the Bulldogs not looking like themselves for a lot of the game, and Wyoming just flat out playing a whole lot better. Um, I still think the Bulldogs are probably the more talented team, but I mean, I felt like Wyoming coached better, they executed better, they, I mean, played at the line of scrimmage a whole lot better, and it all piled up. And you know, the Bulldogs almost came out of it. They had a shot to hit after all that went on to, to pull it off, but it was too little, too late. Uh, dug too deep of a hole, and yeah, didn't see that coming. I'm not terribly surprised the Bulldogs aren't going undefeated this year, but. I am a bit surprised that they got tripped up at that particular game. I thought the talent would show uh, against the Cowboys, but that smash mouth, the physical play, they got the best of the dogs up in elevation. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's definitely, um, you know, you're kind of surprised, but you're kind of not surprised, uh, especially the way the Bulldogs have kept teams in it uh, since the beginning of the year, um, you know, like Eastern Washington. So, it definitely um, the writing was on the wall there. I think everybody was just trying to kind of like you know cover their eyes and and not look at the writing. Um, but uh, you know, but I'm like you. I I did think that the Bulldogs had more than enough to pull this one out in this game. Um, but uh, it just seemed like the Bulldogs did not show up for the first two quarters. Uh, they just kind of disappeared. And Wyoming had their way with the Bulldogs um, and were able to basically put up most of their points in the first half so that uh, the Bulldogs had to play from behind. And uh, like you mentioned, Bulldogs almost were able to do something about it. But uh, one one thing they that they did not account for was going to be injuries to key players. And that really that really set the tone for the Bulldogs, didn't it, Jackson? Yeah, I mean. Big hats off to Logan Fife for throwing that first touchdown just to give President State a shot to even get that second opportunity. But, you know, you wonder what might have happened if Mikey Keene was in there for that last drive, if he would have been able to lead a score, uh, or as Logan Fife got intercepted to finish the game. It was not your usual interception with that big D lineman tipping the ball up and picking it off. So, it's, you know, it's not necessarily like he made a bad read. You know, it was a good play at the line of scrimmage by the Cowboys, but. Uh, you know, he always wonder what might have happened. And even Coach Tedford said Mikey was trying to get back in there, but they just thought he wasn't going to be able to move enough to handle any pressure and potentially get hurt worse than if he even tried to go out there. So that was tough. And as mentioned, um, I mean, Wyoming did have their way with the Bulldogs on offense in the first half. And that's, I did not see that coming. The Bulldogs gave up. 19 points in the three games combined before this one, and then they gave up 21 to the Cowboys in the second quarter alone. Uh, and this is not a Wyoming offense that's all that potent. So, I mean, that was a shocker to me. I felt like the Cowboys came out and, and they changed up a little bit of what they do, and Fresno State also changed up a little bit of what it does on defense and uh, just kind of collided. 
allowed the Cowboys to get rolling. I wasn't a big fan of cornerbacks playing so far off early in that game. I think that really got the Cowboys going with the passing game to balance the run. Uh, they were able to keep the Bulldogs off balance, which really no team's done since Eastern Washington. And that very few teams have done for the last 15 games going back to last year with this defense. So uh, I was surprised by that. I thought even if the Bulldogs played a bad game, that the defense was going to give them a shot to win. And, you know, they they did ultimately, but 21, or 24 points even was more than I expected the Cowboys to put up, even if it all came in the first half. Yeah, it was just a little too much uh, for the Bulldogs to overcome. Um, now, the defense did do its job in the second half, allowed the Bulldogs to get back in it. Um, but uh, it, it ultimately came down to um, just running out of gas. I mean, that last play, that interception, Jackson, if you look at it, that offensive, uh, that defensive lineman wasn't even rushing. He was waiting for that pass. <laughs> he just waited so he could get his arms up in that lane. And um, it just seemed like he knew exactly what was coming, and he was just waiting for it to, to happen. So he he took his best shot, and uh, he came up with the ball. Uh, hats off to him. Uh, but had had that pass been completed, the Bulldogs are off and running. They're, they, were, they were having uh, the momentum shift in their direction, and they could have ultimately come away with the win had that play not happened when it did. Uh, but it was a good read, and, uh, and uh, Wyoming was able to capitalize on it. And that alone was the, the key factor in that game because I felt like the Bulldogs had the momentum. Even with Fife in at quarterback, he was looking unstoppable there for a little while. Um, and that was his only bad play <laughs> of, of the time that he was in there. Um, that touchdown pass that he threw, uh, it was just completely ridiculous. I mean, on the on the move and he, the placement of where he put that, uh, it was just it was awesome to watch because it felt like he was trying to redeem himself from last season, um, and uh, I just I feel sad for him that he didn't have the opportunity to 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 really put a stamp on on his ability to to lead this team, and uh, hopefully that that doesn't discourage him, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know, I was thinking on that last drive about, I mean, first off, you're absolutely right. That play was amazing. He was doing great. And, you know, once they got to that last drive, it made me think about how uh, a year ago the Bulldogs were at UConn and he's in that spot and having a chance to lead a game-winning drive. And on fourth down, he throws a good pass and it gets flat-out dropped by Zane Pope. I tried not to remember that game, the way the season went so great after that moment. (laughs) But This time around, I mean, it was fourth and three, and he throws that pass right over the middle, and it gets completed this time around. The receiver catches it, they get to midfield, and it feels like he's going to lead that drive and kind of have redemption for the missed opportunity the last time around. And, yeah, Wyoming made a heck of a play. You bring up a good point about that D-line and kind of drop them back because that is something I noticed on film that they like to do. They'll oftentimes still just blitz four players, Wyoming, but they'll have a linebacker or safety blitz, and then they'll drop one of those D linemen back into coverage. And so that's one area maybe Mikey got a lot more reps in practice, and maybe he would have been a little bit more prepared for that defender to be in that spot than maybe Logan was. Um, so, again, that's just the little things, but it would just took a, a big combination of big things to even be in that place. Uh, I mean, as mentioned, the defense struggling early, 
the offense drops two third down passes. Um, there are only two possessions for three and outs in the first quarter. And, you know, that's usually not too big of a deal uh, if the defense is getting stopped. So I have enough possessions to figure it out, and get into rhythm and score some points. But, I mean, when the Cowboys are taking up so much time and moving the ball so far, so slowly, I mean, uh, those drops become extremely critical and you don't get enough possessions. And the next thing you know, you're playing from behind. And, I mean, the, the defense had so many third down penalties to just give Wyoming first downs. A lot of them were third and longs. A lot of them were third down stops. They got negated by penalties. I mean, you just think of so many things that went wrong and still they're not all that far off from getting out of there with the win. So, I mean, this goes down as one of those frustrating losses, but as mentioned as well, not terribly surprised that this team was capable of pulling one of those, knowing that the way that the offense has kind of been up and down this year, but uh, the defense is a frustrating part for me, just knowing how great they can be and how they didn't really live up to their expectations for those two critical quarters. Yeah, yeah, and and things are not going to get any easier uh, moving forward because other teams now can smell blood in the water because Fresno State was supposed to be that one team that everyone was going to be chasing, and now the Bulldogs find themselves in the chasing position after one loss. Yeah, it's only one loss, but they couldn't afford to lose one, right, Jackson? (laughs) Going into conference play, Every game matters uh, in this type of a format. You have to finish in the top two in order to play in the championship game. And right now they sit at one and one, and there's still four other teams ahead of them that are one and are undefeated in conference play. So that that does make a difference right now, uh, which are not in the Bulldogs' favor. Um, but I mean, they they did do what they could in this game and almost pulled one out. But again, it's it's one of those where it's like, sh- you know, this shouldn't really be happening. <laughs> um, and, and it's happened multiple times this year. So I guess I guess it's good to be on this side of the ball where things are happening in their favor, whereas the year where uh, it just seemed like they couldn't buy a win and they were always just one play away of winning multiple games. I, I believe that was the, the, the season where they had one of the worst – records ever uh jackson <laughs> i don't know I, i'm i'm trying to think about back when i think it was when coach hill was here wasn't it where it seemed like I mean, it, it, almost every game they lost by like really like a field goal yeah and even not that long ago the last time the bulldogs were defending conference champions and went four and eight back in 2019 i yeah. mean so many of those games i think every loss was like 10 points or less and this team it's hard to forget or remember that. I mean, this is a team that was not in all that different of a situation. I mean, the 2018 team was conference champs and lost a lot of players from that team. And this program right now is also in that spot where they're coming off a conference championship with so many players moving on from last year's team. And so we expected growing pains, but we didn't expect them to look so dang good at Purdue. And they kind of changed <laughs> the whole trajectory of the season, right? I mean, Essentially, the toughest game on the schedule. The offense plays amazing, and you just figure if they could win that one, that it's just going to keep rolling. But um, you know, it, we've seen some of the the holes in the ship, and they, those cracks grew larger in Wyoming, unfortunately. And uh, they, uh, Gabe put it in his article this week that it sank the ship. Um, so 
you know, we're hoping to see the Bulldogs bounce back. It's going to be tough, though, because not only did Mikey leave the Wyoming game, he might not be available for Utah State as things stand right now. And to not only try to bounce back against a, a Utah State team that's looking pretty good right now, but to do it without your starting QB, it's going to be a, a tall task. And even with the bye week after that, you got Boise State, UNLV coming up. So it's going to be a tough stretch, and we're going to really see the season get defined in these next three games rather than, say, at Purdue and Arizona State. Yeah, uh, I mean, Keen being out could be a huge blow to the Bulldogs. Uh, however, um, you know, uh, he did uh, – we did have – you know, our backup play most of the year last year. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it could, uh, it could very well, uh, work in, in our favor of having, uh, having Fife back there, uh, being able to get back in it again, because he's now had that experience. He now knows how it feels. Um, and a lot of this shouldn't be too much of a surprise. And, and if he can get more reps in order to identify those uh, types of plays that he had the interception on, he might be in, in good shape. I mean, Fife did look very well uh, during camp. So he looked really good during camp. So um, this is his opportunity to go in and, and prove that uh, he does belong here. So this could be interesting to see his development if he is the starter going into this game. Um, how things progress. I know the Bulldogs haven't had much of a run game to really lean on, so that's really not going to be a solution. <laughs> so uh, it's it's been very sporadic on the running game. So heading into this into this matchup against Utah State, do you try and change things by trying to establish the run a little more? You know, if you can, uh, they've had moments in the running game, and I think it's at least been complimentary up until Wyoming. But, you know, they just got at a point again where two, three and outs in the first quarter, uh, they're only six plays, fifth a quarter, and then they're, next thing you know, they're playing catch-up pretty much the rest of the game. So it was tough for them to really commit to running the ball too much, especially knowing that the way that the time was taken off the clock, if they ran the ball, and Wyoming is running up the clock in the ball that they weren't going to have enough chances to even come back and get the win. So that was tough. Um, I think in most cases they are going to try to commit to the run a bit more. Um, I think with Logan Fife, maybe they could implement some more read option that they don't necessarily uh, want to do with Mikey. Um, Keen's got, I mean, uh, Fife has got a little bit more mobility and physicality to his running and, uh, not as you know, critical when you put Keen in pressure. Or, uh, you know, you don't want to put him in harm's way with with so much riding on him. Uh, but they have brought Fife in to do some read options uh, here or there, even during the course of the game with Keen out there. So that will be interesting to see. Maybe that might open up the running game a little bit by doing that some more. Um, but I do like what Malik Sherrod brings, and I think it was just more circumstantial this past week that it, not much got going with that. Only 15 handoffs in the game, so it's just tough to generate much of a, a consistent running game when you don't have many opportunities to do it. Now, you did bring up the read option, and um, and and having Fife, uh, you know, run that a little bit more, but the, that opens up another question: Who's behind Fife if he goes down? <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Yeah. Do you add the, the, the read option because Fife is in there or do you simply don't add it because um, you really don't know what you have behind him? 
So, uh, I don't know, Jackson. That's another a Pandora's box. That, are you sure you want to open that one? Yeah. You know, I would say I think this staff is pretty confident in Jaden Mandel as their next quarterback up if he has to go in. Um, the probably more troubling part is that there's not much after him. Then <laughs> you're really in trouble because Joshua Wood, who was competing for the starting job in the spring with Mandel and with Keen and Fife, all four of them were going at it. Uh, he had surgery in August, so Joshua Wood is off the table. Um, if you don't have Mikey Keen, I mean, the team literally only has two scholarship quarterbacks, and they only have one walk-on in uh, Jack Jacobs. So just three quarterbacks are going into this healthy. So I think it's less about the drop-off from one to two, but the potential of the total disaster scenario. Uh, you do lose Logan Fife and Jaden Mandel. Um, but by all accounts, Mandel has, has looked really good in his role so far. And I think he'll, if he gets called, he'll handle it pretty well, but uh, then you're really in trouble if uh, you have to go beyond him. Yeah. That's, that's my biggest concern. Um, because if, uh, if you lose Fife at this point, then it really gets very, very difficult to uh, put a competitive team out on the field. Um, uh, you know, you know, Mandel has done a great job of learning everything and he's looked way ahead of his time. Uh, but do you, do you really want to put him in that kind of a position? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> so, uh, they're going to be very selective on how they use Fife at certain times. Um, and they might say, yeah, read, run the read option, but whatever you do, don't keep it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and that kind of defeats the purpose. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, you know, going into this game, it's now Utah State who has seemed to have kind of start to kind of build a little momentum and start to kind of to figure things out a little bit, Jackson. Don't you agree? Yeah. I mean, they've looked great all season long on offense, not so much on defense. And, uh, they're really coming off of a big one playing at Colorado state winning 44 to 24. Um, I mean, they've just every touchdown I believe they scored was from beyond 20 yards out. And they had a couple from 50 plus. Uh, I mean, this is just one of the most explosive teams I can remember seeing a 48 yard touchdown run, 76 yard touchdown pass, 51 yard touchdown pass, touchdowns of 19, 22 and 40 or 24 yards. Uh, their shortest score of the whole game was a 19-yarder. So, uh, you know, I, I'm just curious because Fresno State gives up hardly no big plays at all. So something's going to have to give in this matchup. Um, is it going to be a shootout like Utah State likes to play? Is it going to be tighter the way Fresno State usually dictates the tempo? So, uh, I mean, two very drastically different teams. And I'm curious where you know, who gives in and then which team it leans to when it's all said and done. Yeah, uh, like uh, like I said last week, uh, the first team that scores could potentially win the game, and <laughs> I was right. <laughs> so, uh, could that scenario rear its ugly head in this one as well? Uh, yes, you, I believe Utah State has enough to give the Bulldogs trouble um, and and really make things a little difficult for them. So, if the Bulldogs come out like they did against Wyoming, they're really going to be in a world of hurt. Um, they need to be able to not allow Utah State to get things rolling in the first half. Um, you know, Fresno State has 
has been showing all season long that they're a great second half team, but they need to kind of put it together in the first half. Uh, if they want to be able to run the table and really make a run at the Mountain West Championship. so And it all starts this week against Utah State. So, Jackson, let's go ahead and start to break down the matchup a little bit here. Let's start off with uh, Utah State's offense against Fresno State's defense and how do these two match up? Uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing for me in this one is what's going to give between Fresno State's defense. I mean, even when they give up points like to Wyoming, it's usually not by big plays. Uh, the Cowboys had really banked on so far this season, breaking a big touchdown run just about every week. Uh, but it never happened against the Bulldogs. They kept everything close and in tight. Even when the Cowboys were moving the ball pretty well, it was really kind of a dink and dunk for the most part. Um, not not many huge 20-yard plays or even anything like that. So, uh, Whereas Utah State, I mean, that seems to be pretty much all they do. They fling it around. Uh, they run the ball very effectively. Uh, just this last week, uh, again, on top of their 44 points, they had 639 yards of offense um, and 387 through the air on just 19 completions and 252 on the ground. I mean, they just do it all. So... Uh, it seems schematically the thing that they do that's interesting is that they're going to put the receivers out real wide uh, more than you'll see from most teams. Uh, I mean, Coach Coyle, Bulldog defensive coordinator, joked that if Utah State moved their receivers any further wider out to spread the field, they'd be on the sideline. I mean, they're doing some exotic, bizarre thing. And, uh, I mean, it's working for them. It's hard to argue with the results. Um, and they've had two different quarterbacks that have played this year, and both have really lit it up. Uh, last week it was Cooper Legas who threw for almost 400 yards. He had four touchdowns, and he also threw two picks. So that's one thing about this team: they're, they're a big play team, but they also give up some turnovers, and uh, they're a little more susceptible to that kind of stuff. Uh, which Wyoming was very conservative this past week, so perhaps the Bulldogs can make some plays uh, in the turnover game. Um, I mean, running the ball, uh, they've got two running backs that are both pretty effective, uh, Devon Booth and Robert Briggs. Um, both of them, I mean, they combined for like 31 carries for over 200 yards last week. Uh, Receiving-wise, they only threw the ball to three different players last week that all had over 100 yards. Uh, Terrell Vaughn, Jalen Royals, and Micah Davis, all very fast and speedy. So they're going to put those receivers out all over the field and, and try to beat you with, in the open field. All of them are you know, not very tall. Vaughn's uh, 5'7". The other guys are going to be about six foot, 5'11". So he's talking about a whole bunch of athletes in open space that they're going to try to make things happen. And um, I, I assume Fresno State's defense is going to play better than most that the Aggies have faced this year. As frustrating as the first half was at Wyoming, I'm going to say that that was an anomaly and that the Bulldogs are going to be able to bounce back. But I just also think Utah State's so explosive that we're going to see some big plays that the Bulldogs don't normally give up eventually. So um, I think it's going to settle somewhere in the middle. I think Utah State is going to have some big plays, but it's going to be less than they normally have, um, which should put them somewhere in the high 20s to maybe 30s if they really have a good day. And uh, it's going to force Fresno State to score some points, I think. Yeah, it's going to be another one of those where uh, the the best way that the Bulldogs are going to have a chance at, at really leaving no doubt in this one is just by 
scoring on every possession. Um, making sure that our our punter stays on the sideline and watches the game, <laughs> <laughs> like he did a couple of times this season. Uh, so that's that's what the Bulldogs need to do in this game in order to have an opportunity to leave no doubt and uh, and really set themselves up for the following week. Uh, but you know, first one game at a time. They need to get through Utah State. Um, who is not going to be? Who is not going to just roll over for the Bulldogs? So uh, now switching gears, flipping it over to the other side of the ball. You've got Fresno State's offense against Utah State's defense, and uh, how do you see this one turning out? Yeah, you know, one potentially good area is that uh, you know, Utah State is not grading very well in the pass rush, which has been Fresno State's biggest struggle right now is, or all season long really is just protecting the quarterback and letting the offense kind of get into rhythm. Um, and the same goes for the other side of the ball, which, again, um, Utah State's offense, they like to spread the ball polar opposites of Wyoming, but they're also not pass blocking all that well, whereas Wyoming just seemed to put up a big wall in front of their quarterback just about every play. Bulldogs only had one pressure last week, so I could see Fresno State's defense getting more pressure than usual. And I can also see this offense now maybe protecting a little bit better than usual. Um, the Aggies do, uh, they've played pretty well in coverage so far. And they, the thing that kind of stands out about them is that they will really change their defense from week to week to what opposing offenses are doing, uh, even from a personnel standpoint. I mean, they will put a bunch of DBs on the field one week. They'll load the box the next week. Uh, this past weekend against Colorado State, they would often have six defensive backs on the field all at one time uh, to try to stop the Rams' passing game. So they're they're going to mix it up and and do a lot of different things. But ultimately, I mean, they've just been in shootout games just about every week. Uh, they haven't had a very dominant defense by any means. They've given up um, at least. I mean, last week was their best tied for their best defensive performance at twenty four points. Um, they gave up 24 points at Iowa to a Hawkeyes team that's notoriously bad on offense, even though that's a good team. Uh, Idaho State scored 28 on them. They gave up 33 to UConn, 39 at Air Force, 45 to James Madison. So this is definitely a team that can be scored on. It's not going to put up a ton of resistance, but um, they, they do have a few areas where they are going to try to knock you off course and get some situational stops to, to allow their offense to um, you know, take advantage of those opportunities. So uh, this is one where uh, I don't see any problem with the Bulldogs scoring some points, but uh, could it be? Uh, how different is it going to be if it is Fife compared to Keene? Because this is a game where if Utah State does score plenty themselves, I mean, the difference between 35 and 27 points for the Bulldogs could win or lose it. So uh, they really have to execute at a high level, whether it is Keene or Fife. Yeah, this is definitely going to be one of those where, uh, again, like I said, they need to they need to keep the punter on the sidelines and they need to score on every <laughs> possession, uh, just to make sure that uh, uh, things don't get out of hand like last week. Um, you know, once once the Bulldogs got behind by three scores, it was going to be a, a tough challenge to get back in it, and they almost did. They almost were able to uh, to, to pull one off, but. 
asking any team to come back from three scores, uh, it's a tall order. And so that's what the Bulldogs need to avoid again this this week is avoid going down by multiple scores. If they keep it within one score, if they do go down, that is more manageable than three scores. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if I'm doing the math correctly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the Bulldogs really need to do themselves a favor and keep things rolling offensively in order to, uh, to really uh, – set themselves apart in this game. Now, uh, special teams really didn't play too much of a big part in this last game, if I remember correctly, Jackson. Well, there were some interesting things that happened because Wyoming came into that game with a kicker who had not uh, missed the yes. field goal all season long. I forgot about And that. he misses one that almost opens the door for Fresno State to win that game. And then we saw as well, an unusual, no, not the normal special teams play we're thinking about with returns, I, but I, of the onside kick. How did I forget that? Was, <laughs> and it was a trick play, basically. I mean, they only have the one player out there, and uh, I mean, Baxter dialed it up. They caught Wyoming off guard, or they kind of figured it out, but it was, it was too late as the kick already got off. And uh, I mean, that was a play that's probably not going to be able to be replicated this season, but uh, they've called it at just the perfect time. I know. I looked at that thing. I was like, wait a minute. That looked a little too easy. (laughs) I I was almost like that wasn't 10 yards. Was that 10 yards? And apparently it was 10 yards. So it, it definitely looked really easy for them to accomplish that one. So like you said, it's, it's a one and done kind of a deal. You're never going to be able to do that again this season. Uh, If you do, you're genius. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll see if they ever dial that one back up again. Um, but yeah, uh, this is basically how things are looking to shake down this week uh, against Utah State. Now, Jackson and I, we will be in attendance. We will be there in person to get the coverage uh, for the Bark Board. Um, so it uh, should be a fun one, uh, if not a chilly one. Right, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. And I, I got to mention, uh, I wasn't able to go to Wyoming this past week, but I was in Berkeley covering Cal versus Oregon State. And right around the time the Bulldogs pulled off that onside kick, Oregon State tried to trick an onside kick on Cal, and Cal was ready for it. They caught the return and ran it almost all the way back for a touchdown. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's a play that can go either way if you don't run it right. So, uh, fortunately, the Bulldogs got that one to work. And, you know, it almost gave them that shot to, to – complete the comeback if they don't get that onside kick uh, i think there's a lot less what ifs here the bulldogs probably lose by two scores so uh, kudos to coach baxter for pulling that one off absolutely that was uh that was probably uh, you know if the bulldogs would have won it i would have called that the key play of the game um because that definitely was the the thing that the bulldogs needed to get this back uh where they had a chance to win it um, and uh, unfortunately, they came up short, so it could not be the play of the game. <laughs> um, so uh, looking around what happened in the Mountain West, well, actually, you know what? Before we do that, um, let's touch upon the injuries and how it's going to affect uh, Fresno State going into this game right now. Yeah, so I was just at practice here before we started this podcast and got to see exactly who's in, who's out. I've uh, got a full report on the VIP park board um, for those that are members. You can go check that out and get the latest up-to-date news throughout the week. 
Um, I will say Mikey Keene is, uh, we heard Monday, they're not certain if he's going to be able to play. Um, Tuesday was not exactly promising, uh, but there's still more practices to go this week to see if he'll be able to get out there. Um, Isaiah Johnson was unable to go at Wyoming and did not see him practicing out there. There's a lot more going on. Uh, there's a starter who did not practice today that I was not aware of was hurt at all. So there's some of that going on this week. Hopefully that uh, is not a, a surprise to the general public in the, the way that maybe he doesn't play on Friday. Uh, you know, hopefully he plays and uh, if you're not a member, you just don't, aren't worried. <laughs> you don't. You never even know that someone was hurt. But uh, uh, if you you want to get that scoop, uh, be sure to, to head to the boards. Um, there was also a couple of position units that looked a little bit different in terms of the players that were out there with the first and second teams. So I do have those notes on there. But definitely the big one is Keen, of course. I mean, uh, Logan Fife, aside from the interception, played well against. Uh, Wyoming when he was out there, but there is a, definitely a, a bit of a difference between Keene and Fife, and uh, I don't think the margin for error in the Bulldogs in this game at Utah State is going to be too big, so could be a difference maker if Keene's out there or not. Yeah, that's definitely going to be interesting to see uh, if that's going to be a game-time decision or if they've already made up their mind. They, they didn't really tip their hat to you, right, Jackson? You, you just You just don't know. Or do you? Yeah, I, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you know, we hear things that behind the scenes that the coaches don't share. And I try to come up with, uh, <laughs> you know, view what we can with our own eyeballs at practice to try to make our own assumptions. But yeah, for today, it was definitely Logan Five taking most of the reps, and uh, we'll see if that changes at all throughout the week. There you have it, folks. Take it with, take from it what you want. I mean, I tried to get him to spill the beans, but he wouldn't do it. So, you, if you want to know, you're going to have to go over to thebarkboard.com because that's that's where he uh, he probably has already mentioned kind of what his thoughts are on on the outcome. So, if you want to know more, premium subscription. That's where you get it, baby. You have to head over to the barkboard to get that info. Uh, so, uh, but you know, other than that, Jackson um, injury front, you know. Uh, that is going to be a big key factor going into this game. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, regardless, you know, even with the injuries, eh, it, it's still, it's still a toss up. <laughs> <laughs> so you just don't know exactly how this one's going to end up. And, uh, you know, in the words of Herm Edwards, you know, uh, you play, you play to win the game. So uh, they're going to do whatever they can to try and get in there and win this thing, uh, regardless of who is out there playing or not. It's the next man up. So, But if you are one of the diehards who like to know exactly every player that's playing, Barkboard, Premium uh, Boards, that's where you're going to get the latest information as far as the injury front is concerned. Now, uh, with this... I should touch on one more. Oh, yeah. Uh, I it already slipped my mind because it was definitive. Uh, we learned Monday that Cam Locker is done for the season. So yes. if you haven't heard that news, um, he's out. He's not coming back this year. He's got a torn pectoral muscle. Um, and that that alone something. is a big big loss for the Bulldogs. Yeah, you know, Alzillian Hamilton caught some flack in that Wyoming game, but really, I mean, Carlton Johnson gave up quite a bit through the air too. I, I felt like. You know, the way that they were assigned, uh, giving a lot of cushion to the Wyoming receivers that, um, I mean, neither of them played very well. It was an uncharacteristic 
pass defense performance. So I, I do really like the two of them, but much like we were talking about the quarterbacks earlier, it's to worry about who's next because there's really no one else with experience after those two when you take Cam Lockridge out of the equation. Um, you've got Julian Neal, who's played safety most of his Bulldog career and just moved a corner over the offseason. And even he hasn't played a lot at safety. Uh, you've got Jamarion Briggs, who was a big-time recruit in last year's freshman class, but redshirted and, and hasn't played a whole lot of snaps. So you know, that's pretty much the next guys up, and, and that's the big difference between them and players as exceptional as, as Carlton Johnson and Cam Lockridge. So that's a, a depth concern, but I think the Bulldogs are going to be all right with Hamilton and Johnson. Um, you know, this week is perhaps their biggest test of the rest of the season. So if uh, the Aggies throw the ball around, I wouldn't put up the, the warning signs too much. I think the rest of the season, they're not going to face many very good quarterbacks or receivers the rest of the way, but, um, or at least more than one receiver. <laughs> uh, UNLV has got a good one, but um, I think they'll be okay if the, no one else gets hurt. If someone else gets hurt, I mean, they could be an entirely different story on defense because we've seen, I mean, everyone remembers if you were watching the 2013 season, how critical it was not having reliable cornerbacks yeah. on that defense. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, that ultimately was the downfall for the Bulldogs was the the cornerback position. So uh, back then, so it, it, this year um, when Lockridge went down, I, I did have concerns, um, but they did develop a little bit of depth uh, behind uh, behind him. But they can't afford to lose any more. <laughs> <laughs> if they start losing more, then the Bulldogs are going to be in a world of hurt, and then Jackson and I are going to have to suit up and get into the game. Um, <laughs> and no one wants to see that. So uh, that's uh, that's that's really going to be hard for uh, the Bulldogs to recover if another one of the defensive backs go down. So, yes, uh, again, uh, all the latest news, updates, Bark Board, premium, uh, premium Board, that's where you're going to find all the, the latest news on all of those injuries. Now, uh, Jackson, before we move into the Mountain West, um, even though the Bulldogs lost, they they still came away with a big win as far as recruiting is concerned, right, Jackson? So they were able to pick up another local kid. Stories up on the bark board. You know, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, Bryson Donaldson committed during the game, like right before the Bulldogs lost. So the timing was interesting. Uh, some bittersweet news. Uh, coming in right before the the end of that one. Uh, but, I mean, he's a big pickup. He's just been putting on some amazing performances over at CBC over not just this year, but last year as well. I mean, he's been a fantastic running back. And one that it, it seemed like he wasn't going to stick around the Valley from kind of viewing his recruitment. I mean, he officially visited Boston College in the summer. He officially visited Boise State exactly a month ago. Uh, he was supposed to visit San Jose State, uh, but that one got scratched. So uh, there just hadn't been a whole lot of noise between him and the Bulldogs. So it felt like he was going to be one that, that maybe got away and just kind of surprised announced his decision uh, again on Saturday. So that's a big one. He's got an 84 rating by 24-7 sports. Uh, he's, I mean, there's a lot of running backs out there. He's ranked as the number 119th in the country, but I think as far as Fresno State running backs go. Uh, he's going to be a big one, I think, between him, between Devin Rivers, Brandon Ramirez. I mean, the future is going to be so bright uh, running back. Uh, he had a few other offers, including Washington State, who was in there, uh, New Mexico, Colorado State. So um, 
again, just really uh, emphasizes the Valley recruiting in this class. They've got seven local commits now uh, out of 10, which is, I mean, I've never seen this type of ratio in a class before, as well as the fact that they've kept almost everyone home. Um, Really, they've only lost two uh, from the Valley. You've got Landon Wright going to Washington State and uh, the Clovis North lineman. Uh, who committed to Washington uh, like two days after the Bulldogs offered him. So, uh, I mean, seven out of nine in the Valley is pretty tremendous. Uh, I can't remember ever having a class that's been this large or has been this efficient uh, in terms of keeping kids home. And um, one other note I want to make sure we touch on that I forgot to mention with you beforehand was um, Bulldogs scheduling a couple of Power 5 in-state teams that have to come to Fresno State just announced earlier today. <laughs> I was going to uh, make sure that. we touch on that. Yeah. <laughs> and so maybe uh, the, the, it's not going to happen until uh, 2028, but um, I, I think Donaldson might still have some eligibility when Stanford comes to town, <laughs> maybe if he, if he red shirts. So uh, just to tie that in there. <laughs> yeah, and if, you, if you've been hiding under a rock and haven't looked at the bark board, uh, Jackson was able to break the news. Uh, two, uh, well, Two pack, currently two Pac-12 teams, which are not going to be Pac-12 no more after this year, um, are going to be headed to Bulldog Stadium. Uh, one is going to be, of course, Jackson mentioned it, uh, Stanford, uh, and the other one, uh, UCLA. Uh, two teams that always said they would never make it to Bulldog Stadium. You know, granted, we haven't gotten there yet. They still have the ability to buy out the contract, right, Jackson? Like they've done in the past. Yeah, and UCLA worries me a bit. <laughs> I hope you know. Hopefully, it comes to fruition that they actually show up. Uh, but the Bulldogs did move the 2024 game to UCLA. So if you had plans to get back down to the Rose Bowl once again, it's no longer going to be in September next season. It's going to be on Thanksgiving weekend instead. Um, oh, and as yeah. a part of the Bulldogs willing to do that, UCLA did make the agreement to come back to Fresno State for a return game in a decade. Sure, they did. Sure, they did. Yeah, we know how that works. Yeah, so hopefully that comes to fruition. Um, They they should have made a really big buyout clause in that one. Yeah, I'll say. (laughs) Uh, But Stanford is a legitimate home-and-home over two years. The Bulldogs will go back to Stanford in 2029, so I don't see any way that that series gets lost. So, uh, I mean, even if it's just Stanford, <laughs> hopefully it's both of them. Uh, that's still a pretty big deal to have the Cardinal come to town for the first time ever. And to even play them at all. I mean, it's been a hundred years almost since Fresno state and Stanford played football against one another. And, um, the scheduling has been very, com- uh, it's been tough because if Stanford paid out a bunch of money for teams to come, like most power five schools do, Fresno State would have played there probably as much as they have at UCLA and USC, but Stanford just doesn't spend the money to have teams come to their place, and it's such a big part of the Bulldogs' budget to have those games. And, of course, up until now, Stanford refused to come here. So uh, I guess with the Cardinal going to the ACC, they were willing to schedule some games that are not all the way across the country in the non-conference late, and uh, they got this home-and-home done. So that's a big one. You just... You don't see uh, Fresno State get many home-and-homes with Power 5 schools in the first place. It's usually a two-for-one. Um, so that's a big one for the dogs, and it should actually happen. And 2028 doesn't sound nearly as far away as 2032. 
2032 seems like it's way off. Um, but uh, yeah, the Stanford one, um, you know, <laughs> you and I should still be around on that one. Um, so uh, <laughs> I'm not so sure about the UCLA one. I, I mean, uh, but uh, things, it is interesting to see that uh, they are starting to kind of come around uh, because, like I said before, uh, teams from the Pac 12, specifically these two, have always said that they would never come to Bulldog Stadium. Uh, and here we are. Uh, we've got Stanford on the books, the more likely of the two. Um, UCLA, I, I'm I'm still kind of you know I'll believe it when I see it kind of a kind of a, a deal. You know they move the game uh, and then sweeten the pot with that. But uh, chances are they're just probably going to buy out their contract so that they don't have to come to Bulldog Stadium, unless they're desperate. If they're desperate, they'll come. So here's a here's a sign for you. I was on Twitter today or X, I guess now. And I see UCLA. Well, first I see Fresno State's announcement. Fresno State versus UCLA in 2032. Then I see the UCLA announcement. Schedule change. 2024 Fresno State game moved to November. And that's the end of the... (laughs) (laughs) There's no mention of the the 2032 trip to Fresno State. Then there's a second tweet with a link to the story, and you read the fine print. So uh, I went to the UCLA board to see what people were saying about them coming to... Fresno and no one had even read the fine print yet that they were <laughs> there was a return game involved so. but that's because they're they're already under the assumption they're not coming <laughs> so yeah uh, again that's one of those where we're, you take it with a grain of salt uh, we'll see how that actually pans out uh, once we get closer to that year uh, hell it might not even take to that long they might just buy it out next season we'll see um, but, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that one, uh, to see how that progresses. But now Jackson, we're going to hit dive a little bit into mountain West coverage and how things shook out last, uh, last week. Now we already know how Fresno state and Wyoming turned out. There were two other games on one of which I'm really irritated by the outcome. Um, <laughs> and you, and you know, which one I'm going with. And that's the the San Jose versus Boise State matchup, where Boise where San Jose was leading at one point, I believe twenty seven to seven, at one point Jackson. Yep. And yeah. and then they didn't score another point. <laughs> <laughs> that one's killing me, Jackson. Um, so tell me what happened there. Cause I didn't get a chance to even see how the, this turned out. Was it what you and I both thought? And that quarterback has now become the Messiah of Boise. <laughs> well, they, they kind of got into two quarterbacks. They were both <laughs> going back and forth. Uh, the backup did have the better passing day. Uh, he threw it's still not great numbers. He was nine of 16 for 155 had a touchdown and a pick. And that pick was early. In fact, um, it basically gave the Spartans that 14-0 lead after they fumbled and they threw an interception within the first <laughs> like three plays of the game almost, and the Spartans were jumped all over them. Um, then they kind of went back and forth. Uh, it was actually uh, Taylor Green, the normal starter, who ended up throwing the go-ahead touchdown on a two-yard pass for Boise State. So um, it's a strange game. <laughs> um the Broncos really rallied after falling behind and the Spartans kind of fell apart on offense. Um, they had a turnover on downs. They threw an interception. 
they had two, three punts in a row. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I saw 27 to seven and the Spartans were rolling. I thought that was all but over. And, well, you uh, and me both. Broncos, yeah. The Broncos really turned it around. And, um, I mean, it's still tough to take too much away. <laughs> you see the boy, how good the Broncos can be on one side and how bad they can be on the other side. I mean, I don't know. It's been that kind of a season for Boise State. Yeah, and it's all going to be depending upon who we see come into Bulldog Stadium. Uh, that's how it's going to turn out. Uh, is it going to be the bad Boise or is it going to be the good Boise? Who knows? Uh, one thing we do know for sure is they have no clue who the quarterback is, So, <laughs> which is a, a good thing at the moment. Um, now, the other game that was on the docket was Colorado State uh, took on Utah State. Utah State coming out on top 44-24. to 24. Uh, that to me is concerning how Utah state was able to put that much, that, that many points up against Colorado state. Yeah. And it's the way they do it too. I mean, not too far off from the Spartans and Broncos, Utah state was down 17, nothing. They didn't score until 20 seconds left in the first quarter and they didn't score their first touchdown until six minutes and 10 seconds in the second quarter. So, uh, 41 of their points came in the last. 36 minutes basically of the game uh, and you just see how the way that they're making these explosive plays happen and you cross your fingers that Fresno State's going to be able to stop it as they typically have been able to but I mean yeah they just look a little bit uh, more explosive than just about anyone right now especially in the Mountain West especially in the passing game as well I mean they're throwing the ball around very successfully you don't see that uh, by very many teams in this conference right now at least to that extent so I mean, you're going to have this high-octane offense going up against Fresno State's defense, who I, which I'm still pretty confident in despite the second quarter against Wyoming. I think we saw in the second half how, how much they were able to uh, adjust and, and really put on a strong second half and blink the Cowboys. So, um, But one factor here is that that Utah State game was at home, uh, so they didn't have to travel home Saturday night, and they don't have to travel anywhere on the short week. Uh, the Bulldogs had to come home from Wyoming. They got to go back out to Utah all uh, with one last day of preparation. So I'm a little worried that's going to compound a little bit for the dogs. Coach Tedford didn't seem all that concerned. He thought maybe Utah State would get a couple more hours they could squeeze out of prep. But other than that, uh, they imagine it's going to be not too different from a normal short week. Yeah, so that's definitely be going to be a concern on the short turnaround. Uh, but... Uh, you know, if Tefford's not worried, maybe we shouldn't be. Ah, who knows? <laughs> uh, other than that, he's probably worried. He's just not going to tell you. Um, but, uh, you know, that with, with those games last week, the current standings are uh, Air Force at 3-0 and uh, in conference play, 5-0 and overall. Wyoming at 2-0 and uh, conference, 5-1 and overall. Boise State two and O conference three and three overall, uh, UNLV one and O in conference and four and one overall, and then that puts Fresno State in the fifth position one and one in conference five and one overall, fifth place Jackson they they've kind of you know fallen from the top all the way down to the mid of the pack, um, and now they've got a little bit of a hole to dig themselves out of especially with Air Force already at three and O. And then Wyoming at two and zero, and Boise State at two and zero. Those are two teams that they are now going to be chasing. 
to try and catch. Uh, because right now, Air Force looks unstoppable, Jackson. And uh, is that going to be more of the same? Even, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. I don't like the way Air Force plays with that 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 whatever triple option is. Uh, it drives me absolutely batty that that is even an offense. <laughs> But it is what it is, and they still run it, don't they, Jackson? They do, and they are leading the conference in points per game, <laughs> in, in conference play at least, if you just boil down to what they're doing in conference. So uh, it's very effective. It's especially effective this year, even more so than normal. And the other thing that's played into it is that the clock is running more often now this year with some of the rule changes. It's not stopping as much, so and they're taking even more time off the clock when they do. Uh, go on a big drive. So uh, as far as the standings are concerned, I mean, back in the past decade, the Fresno State went to Wyoming and lost. really didn't matter all that much because you could win out and, and secure your division, no problem, since the Cowboys were not in Fresno State's division. We saw in both of the conference championship years in 18 and 22 that the Bulldogs lost to Boise State, still took care of business, won their division, got to the championship game. But uh, with no divisions, uh, it makes things quite a bit tougher, especially since the Bulldogs don't play Air Force. So, theoretically, if uh, Air Force goes undefeated and uh, Wyoming goes 7-1, and one, losing to Air Force, uh, the Bulldogs would basically get left out no matter what they do. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Cowboys would have that tiebreaker and Air Force would be undefeated. So, uh, the Bulldogs not exactly in control of their own destiny already this early in the season, but there are definitely a lot of scenarios where the Bulldogs get back in, whether it's Air Force falling just one time, whether it's Wyoming losing twice, um, whether it's going to be a three-way tie potentially between some teams. Um, and the fact that Fresno State doesn't play Air Force and a lot of these teams aren't playing each other, if there are some ties, there may not be head-to-head tiebreakers. And the Mountain West has decided that it's going to come down to the college football playoff poll first. And if there's no one ranked, and it's going to come down to a composite of computer polls. So there could very well be some scenarios at the end of the year where you have two or three teams tied at seven and one, and those computers are going to decide uh, who gets in potentially. And the good news is for Fresno State right now is that the computers like the Bulldogs quite a bit. Um, so if they do win out, uh, that might actually work in their favor if the Mountain West is going to do tiebreakers in that fashion. But they've got to take care of business on their own. If they lose this week or basically anywhere along the season, it's going to be very difficult to sneak in at six and two. Yeah, one one good thing for the Bulldogs this week: uh, Wyoming and Air Force face each other. <laughs> <laughs> so one of those teams is going to get a loss on their conference uh, play. So that right there is automatically going to work in Fresno State's favor. Now the other matchup that I see is UNLV in Nevada, and that one is notoriously uh, a good game uh, where you can basically throw out the records. Um, that that usually just what happens there. So, uh, you know, the Bulldogs do have an opportunity to kind of move back up the rankings this week, Jackson, uh, by just those two matchups alone. Yeah, and even with what Wyoming did to the Bulldogs, uh, they're 10-point underdogs on the Air Force this week. So that tells you what, how uh, – I'm a bit surprised. I mean, even in the polls, they're like 27th and 28th right now, back-to-back in both polls, I believe. So 
a little surprised there's that much confidence in Air Force, but I, I kind of agree. I think I would imagine the Falcons are going to win that one, and that would uh, put the Wyoming with a loss. But you'd still need another loss to avoid a head-to-head tiebreaker there. Um, so uh, that they've got that working in their favor. I agree with the UNLV Nevada situation. Um, UNLV is <laughs> they're four and one. And uh, Nevada's 0-5, but the Rebels are favored by less than Air Force is against Wyoming. So I think that should tell you exactly what you're talking about there. Uh, I do think UNLV, uh, coming off a bye week, and as good as they're playing, I have a hard time seeing them mess this one up. But you just never know with these games, especially with it being at Reno. Uh, The fans over there have actually rallied a little bit more than I thought. I thought they there wouldn't be a single person in those stands after they lost to Idaho, but uh, they came out pretty good against Kansas. And I imagine they'll do it again against UNLV. Oh, they'll show up for UNLV. Uh, these two yeah. teams do not like each other. Um, and this is the rivalry game uh, for them. And, uh, and it's similar to the fashion where it's Fresno state, Boise state, um, the stadium is rocking no matter what the, the, their, their record is. Usually, it is probably one of the best um, atmospheres that there can be. It, they we will pack the stadium, and Boise packs the stadium because I guess these two teams just don't like each other. I, I don't know why. Um, it's not like they have any history. Um, but um, Nevada and UNLV, same thing. These two teams do not like each other, and at this point, I, I don't care what their records are. You can throw that out the window right now. Uh, I I still think this is going to be a nail biter between these two teams, um, and uh, I, I'm going to say it right now, Jackson. I think Nevada pulls one off. I think Nevada pulls mm-hmm. one off and pull and puts the Bulldogs back into a good position again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Nevada has had UNLV's number in the last few years. So it uh, and I don't see any reason why they shouldn't after what they were able to kind of do against the Bulldogs. Um, I still think that they might have just enough tricks in the in the bag to to pull this one off against UNLV. Uh, I will say, Coach Tedford remarked after the Nevada game that they assumed it was going to be tough to run on the Wolf Pack, and that's pretty much all UNLV is doing right now is running the ball. So it's going to be strength versus strength that Rebel running game against Nevada's run defense, and that that's going to tell the tale there. Yeah, so uh, watch out. That that would definitely be one that I would circle to watch. Uh, but Jackson and I are going to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> so we will not be able to watch that one. Um, the next game on the matchup here, we've got San Jose State taking on New Mexico. And this one's going to be in New Mexico. Much of a fight from, from uh, the Lobos? Or- you know, New Mexico has... They have they played. I mean, other than going to Texas A and M, pretty close game. I mean, um, well, granted, you know, you've got New Mexico at two and three overall, and San Jose at one and five. So I, I guess I should be saying, should San Jose, you know, put up much of a fight, and you know, especially after what they did against <laughs> Boise? Yeah, you know, I'll say I, I put it out there on Twitter to see what kind of feedback. I guess what kind of feedback I'd get about San Jose State. I was curious because. I mean, you look at their schedule. They've lost to number six USC and number 18 Oregon State. They lost at Toledo, uh, who's pretty good this year. They lost to Air Force. They lost to Boise State. Uh, those teams have a combined record of, what, like 20 and 5 or something, 20, something like that. So, and most of, those, uh, most of those losses are Boise's. 
Okay. Yeah. Just had to throw that in. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. Um, so, I mean, what what would Fresno State's record be if they played that schedule? I mean, they basically played it last year. They lost the USC and Oregon State and Boise State. <laughs> that same kind of a stretch. So, I don't blame the Spartans all that much for being one and five, uh, as ugly as that looks. And now they've got a stretch of very winnable games basically the rest of the way. Um, uh, Fresno State is basically going to be the toughest team they play from here on out. So um, as long as they've kept it together in the locker room and they're not you know, throwing in the towel behind the scenes, I think this is kind of the game they let their frustrations out and pick up a, a pretty lopsided win. All right. All right. Well, that's that's what I wanted to hear. Um, I think we already kind of covered Air Force and Wyoming, and you you pretty much called that one Air Force takes that one, right? Yeah. Uh, I am curious about the matchup just because both teams are going to try and run the ball. And I imagine it's going to be a, a tight, close game. Um, but I think Air Force does it better, and I think their defense might be a little bit better as well. So I think the Falcons win. It's not – uh, lopsided fashion. Maybe they don't cover the spread. I'm surprised to see 10 points there. All right. And and then right after that one, we've got Boise State heading to Fort Collins to take on Colorado State. Um, I don't know. Does Colorado State have a sh- Well, they, they have a shot against Boise State, who still doesn't know who they are. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, it's hard to count out just about anyone that's decent in conference play from taking on Boise State right now. And I think Colorado State qualifies for that. I mean, as good as they played against Colorado, um, you know, they won a couple games in non-conference. I think the biggest thing here is that the Rams have been very good on offense and they've thrown the ball a lot, which seems to be Boise State's struggle point. They haven't been stopping the passing game very well. And part of that is why San Jose State got out to such a big lead. Shevin Cordero threw the ball around quite a bit early on in that game. So uh, I expect a shootout here. I think Boise State wins, but I think the Rams are going to put up a lot of points. All right. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. I think the Rams are going to put up a, a lot of points. I Honestly, I think they have a great shot at taking out Boise, especially since they're at home. Um, mm-hmm. And if that crowd shows up and are able to uh, – to really slow down Boise a little bit noise wise, maybe Colorado state comes out on top, uh, with, with a, a win on this one. So I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Colorado state. Well, you, you know, I'm always going to lean according to the <laughs> against Boise. So, um, yeah, let's, let's do that. <laughs> Colorado state on this one. Now the last game on this, on the, the schedule is San Diego state and take travels to the islands to take on Hawaii um, you know, you've got San, you've got San Diego State and Hawaii both at two and four overall. Um, is this going to be a snooze fest, J- uh, Jackson? Hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, well, neither team is all that great right now, so it's certainly not a priority game. But both teams are kind of up and down, hit and miss. So I think there's going to be a lot of big plays in this game. It'll probably be a, an exciting contest, I would say. Um. I don't think it's going to say a whole lot about either team. I think they're both struggling. Someone's going to have to win it. But uh, Both teams are coming off of buys, so it'll be interesting to see who kind of corrects what's gone wrong so far to this point. Both teams enter at two and four. Um, 
I kind of like Hawaii at home. Uh, You know, San Diego State, I'm really down on, but they're still probably better than Hawaii. But I think the Rainbow Warriors at home with some time to rest and heal up a little bit, uh, they might be able to figure out a way to to get that one done at home. Uh, I was about to say, is it it about time we we figure out a way to kick Hawaii out of the conference? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But... uh, I know San Diego State tried to make its exit, but they didn't have uh, much of an opportunity to do there. Uh, but that that's pretty much the games for this week. Now, next week, Fresno State has a bye, uh, so they will get a chance to, to kind of lick their wounds, so to speak, and try and get healthy. Uh, coming at a much-needed time, Jackson? Yeah, absolutely, especially with this week. You see how many critical injuries there are on the team, and a short week to recover and, and get try to get some guys out there so you know if there's players that can't go this week it's probably a good shot that they'll be able to return after the bye week and then at home against UNLV and hopefully no one's out further than the, the Boise State game other than Cam Lockridge has been ruled out so uh, I mean that's a big two game stretch there and the Bulldogs got to get as healthy as they can and hopefully they get out of this trip to Utah State without another loss uh, before all that happens yeah, they'll, they'll get a bye right before they come back to Fresno to take on UNLV, so that uh, should be an interesting matchup if UNLV keeps winning. Uh, so uh, that being said, Jackson, any final thoughts? Um, just make sure to head to barbenport.com. It's a short week, so we're packing in more content in a shorter window. Uh, all of our VIP reports are just will be squeezed in in a tighter frame than normal. And uh, we, as you mentioned, us two will both be at Utah State, so we'll have insider reports from the game. I believe we're going to be the only traveling media for that game. So uh, if you want the scoop on what's going on in Logan, uh, we'll be the guys to follow. So make sure you do that. And we'll have our insider game report afterwards where we share the behind the scenes stuff from the field and other things we glean from the scene that don't get out there to the public. So uh, follow us along for this week. And uh, also want to make sure you know that during the bye week, uh, Fashing some interviews here and there. We'll have some basketball content. We'll have a lot of stuff to keep you covered and uh, keep you entertained. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we are definitely going to be, uh, you know, sending as much information back here locally as we can. Uh, so stay tuned for that and, and make sure you uh, are, are ready. Um, you know, this is going to be a great matchup. Uh, really, the Bulldogs really need to, to come out with a win. So uh, we'll see how things progress uh, heading into the weekend. Uh, that being said, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Uh, you can also go to the, our Facebook page and give it a like. Just look for thebarkboard.com. And as always, Make sure you head over to thebarkboard.com where you can get all the latest news and updates on both free and premium subscriptions. But like I've mentioned quite often before on our podcast, the premium subscription is where you want to be as that's where you're going to get all the latest unrestricted uh, information on the Bulldogs. Um, That being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.